Curiosity on Dublin City FM. We're here, we're queer, get into it. I'm James O'Hagan and this is Curiosity, proudly presented by LGBT Ireland, the National LGBT Support Service. Whatever's on your mind, LGBT's Helpline's volunteers are here to listen seven days a week on 1800 929 539. Coming up on the show today, Podrick and I track chat through some of the LGBTQI plus stories making the news this week in our Rainbow Roundup uh, with Eating Disorder Awareness Week 2024 taking place from the 26th of February to the 3rd of March we're joined by the folks from Bodywise the Eating Disorder Association of Ireland to chat about why it is that eating disorders remain much more prevalent with within the queer community and about this year's campaign theme eating disorder recovery and beyond respecting individuality and identity and in this week's reeling in the queers we are heading back to the year of this infamous mtv video music award moment yo taylor i'm really happy for you i'm gonna let you finish but beyonce had one of the best videos of all time One of the best videos of all time. But before we get to any of that, he is the tailor to my Kanye, Podrick Wilson McCarthy. How are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Listen, I'm 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 a bit in cloud nine this yeah. week, I have to say. Go on, tell us. I might have bought a house. <laughs> Well, thank God. We'll all sleep easy now, babe. We'll all sleep easy and I can't wait for the housewarming. I know. Congratulations. Listen, and, and the, the might is an important word in that because, yeah. it, you know, saying know, the greed is slippery, not sold. It's a slippery slope. I know. I've seen it before, but I'm delighted for you. Congratulations. Huge step. You're Massive. on the property ladder, baby. I know. This is it now. I'll be looking for a crash pad in the city somewhere. Oh, Get Kirsty and Phil on the will phone. Will you be looking for someone to fill the room? Uh, no. Room? No, no, okay. no. We'll be we'll be keeping that open for, you know, our, our yoga. Okay. You know, we'll be getting a very oh God, overly cared for so... dog, a pamper dog you know you're so gay you're so gay but that's great news do you know what it's nice to know that it can be done look my, I have to say myself and Diego honestly anyone out there that is currently searching we have had a very easy time of it I think by some of the horror stories I've heard but stick your head down get on with it and it does eventually happen all that bidding and heartbreak does eventually lead to the promised land of yeah. owning a home yeah well that's great that's brilliant something that I, I don't see on my own horizon <laughs> anytime soon but at any moment now, I live vicariously keep, keep through writing you. in that cash machine that's number it, yeah, the cash machine I know it's come to my hand. Stop. Stop. That's brilliant news. Celebrations all round. Uh, celebrations all round. But look, let's get to the news. Le- yeah, well, look. I celebrations great- continue, I think. C- celebrations continue. Good news for you. And a lovely a lovely news story to kick us off here at home. 37 schools across Ireland have been awarded for championing, championing LGBTQ plus inclusion after completing Belong To's new 18-month LGBTQ plus quality mark program. So what is this? Basically, it's uh, an award that's given to schools, secondary schools who complete the program, which involves implementing evidence-based actions across key areas, which include ensuring staff are equipped to support queer pupils, creating a safe, inclusive school environment, Mm -hmm. developing effective plans, policies and curriculum basically making sure that all these plans have inclusive language involved in them and also working with parents, community organisations and making sure that everyone in the community is involved in making these schools a safe space. But it's it's what what I think is so brilliant about it is that it is such a robust robust sounding process. Like it I, is. I love getting a chance to say the word robust, but it is 
<laughs> it really feels like there's so much gone into it because like oftentimes when it comes to LGBT inclusion it can be a little bit tokenistic where you get the, the rainbow sticker put oh, up on the wall and yeah. it doesn't feel whereas this is really making Irish schools safer for pupils because I think was it the Belong To research last year found that was near 70%, 70 74% I think 74% of, of, of queer students had felt um, had felt threatened or unsafe yeah, within, within without school environments mm-hmm. and I think that this is a, a massive step towards This is such a huge positive step and, and a step in the right direction and it's so good to see our little nation being yeah. proactive in becoming upstanding to yeah. this sort of abuse and to, to this sort of bullying. So like it's, 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 it's a brilliant, it's a monumental step. I hope more schools follow in the footsteps of it now. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's it's we're on the right path. And no, we really Especially are. coming off the back of like some horror stories that we saw like last week, we, sp- we spoke about Next Benedict and stuff and, yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, people might not re- realise that they see uh, younger people as being woke and like upstanding as it is it's not always the case No absolutely I mean you only have to look back as far as around this time last year when that, that queer student was assaulted in in, in, in Trim or in Navan exactly. I think it was and Horrific inter- and it's you know this this shows how people and I think it's a permission structure is created by the policies the school have so if the school is really focused on making sure queer students are safe they will be safe if, it's, if a school ignores it then people feel free to maybe kind of you know kind of take liberties and people are less safe so excellent work well done belong to well done Wonderful belong work. to and, well done and to all the schools, schools as well and all the kids involved it's yeah, absolutely. brilliant brilliant so hopefully more will will follow foot yeah. uh, taking us from our lovely little nation over to Russia now um, Russia meets Canada actually and whenever I say Russia in this it kind of pops off but anyway a conservative <laughs> Christian couple from Canada have expressed their deep disappointment and dissatisfaction after deciding to re- relocate their family of 10 to Russia to escape LGBT ideology. So just to fill you in, right, um, their names are the Freenstra family. Arend Freenstra, the father, said, we didn't feel safe with our children in Canada and for their future. There's a lot of left-wing ideology, LGBTQ, trans, just a lot of things that we don't agree with that they teach here now. So they moved their family over to Russia. They found, you know, a similar, a town of similar size, similar climate. They thought it was pretty much going to be mm-hmm. the same. They got there. They're locked out of their bank uh, bank accounts. All of their money is frozen. They find themselves in a country where they can't speak the language and they basically take to YouTube. So they're YouTubing their journey. Mm-hmm. They take to YouTube and they go on a rant about Russia. Oh, and I don't think the Russians let you do that. No, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to go on a rant about Russia. So they went on this rant about Russia and it didn't go very well. They mm-hmm. ended up taking it down, issuing an apology, but it's after breaking in the media and they're... they're, they're I- I said in the last seg- or in the last news story that I love an opportunity to use the word robust, and this is an opportunity to use another one of my favourite words, which is comeuppance. <laughs> they got their comeuppance. All I can say, all I've written down in the notes is deserved. X. Absolutely deserved. deserved Hashtag deserved. Bring without... bring it back. No, it is it, like I mean, I think that it is just this daft. kind of like it, completely daft. People create this notion in their mind, like there's some sort of like a nirvana or promised land that exists where they can go, where you know all of the enemies they have in their mind, like the queer people and the drag queens won't be allowed to exist and then suddenly they get there and realise oh actually my freedoms are impinged too because I think that they put a big like massively kind of like aggressive statement out about how the country was terrible and all the organisers and then suddenly they were like oh no Mother Russia is wonderful it's like I wonder why you felt the need to say that and who held the gun to your head when you did yeah who spoke to you (laughs) who spoke to you exactly exactly anyway from there moving on another I think this could possibly be my favourite story of the week an Australian photographer has alleged that Taylor Swift's dad Scott Swift has punched him in the chops after Taylor's last show in Sydney now I'm assuming chops are 
Yeah, not right in the kisser. No, yeah, not yeah, right in the yeah, kisser. Yeah, right. So, so Taylor Swift has is now under investigation. Basically, New South Wales Police say that they're investigating an alleged assault by a seventy-one-year-old man on a fifty-one-year-old man, um, which took place last week at two thirty a.m. local time. Ben Macdonald is the name of the photographer, and he's come out and said, "I haven't been assaulted and punched in my twenty-three-year career, especially not in the chops, particularly by the talent's dad." So there you go. <laughs> There you go. It, it is. I mean, it, it it's very like it's Trash. very rare for for like the 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 Taylor Swift armor to be pierced with sort of like a story of this kind of nature of like someone losing their cool. Like they are very very together in the way they yeah, do everything. The, and like, the, I, am I right? She comes from money, I believe. I yeah, I believe as far she as absolutely I know, does. I think, yes. I think that was half the reason that she got what she where she got originally. So like yeah. you know, like her dad. Like I mean well-to-do man but I think do think look it comes to a point where you have to protect your child and the way they described it is you know they, they were on a jetty they were the, the Swiss were on a yacht they were getting off and I suppose you're close to water it's a narrow space paparazzi are there I think he just lost his mind I, don't, I, I mean god I actually do think that the paparazzi does seem terrifying whenever you actually see oh them god, out in it, action and you've seen and we've seen it in the past like look at Princess Diana for example like you yeah. see these horrific stories that happen because of the paparazzi they can be forceful whether we realise it or not no do you know completely. what I mean I, and I think that like you, you know you look at kind of the way that celebrities are treated now I, yeah it does it does look terrifying me Scott Swift I understand I can absolutely feel why you would have uh, I feel your pain it. and <laughs> it's only a matter of time before Taylor has an album out about it absolutely without a doubt she's only looking for some ammunition <laughs> to throw in her way a swift one to the gob a swift one to the gob <laughs> exactly that's the name of the album <laughs> okay moving on actor Nick Offerman do you know Nick Offerman I do Parks and Rec would be my main point of reference yeah. for him. Like, I recognise him. I, I haven't seen anything that... I can't recall any of his work, but he used his speech after winning the Independence, the Independent Spirit Award this week for uh, Best Supporting Actor as an, as an opportunity to hit back at homophobic comic comments which were made about an episode of The Last of Us of which he was receiving the award for. Now, have you seen The Last of Us? So, I watched the first couple of episodes of The, La- the Last of Us, particularly because of this episode. Um, Are they standalone episodes? So, no, they aren't. It is a story overall, but this is one standalone episode that happens within the season where kind of you just, you get to see a very distinct story from the point of view of two characters. And it is like a love story and it is beautiful. And himself, uh, Nick Offerman is absolutely wonderful. And I can't remember the name of the other man who, who sort of is portraying his his partner yeah. but the two of them are just so beautifully tender together and it it is absolutely heartbreaking I've heard and I've heard only brilliant things about no, it actually. I know and it is like it is mad because you're watching this basically zombie thriller and then suddenly there's this like beautiful romantic yeah. uh, love story between two men With, and you without know. a doubt and without giving too much away like you know this episode in particular has been coined as the best episode of anything this year. Uh, absolutely. Um, I would completely agree with that. Like, I think that it is, um, it, it like, it it feels when you're watching, like, it kind of completely brings you into the story. You're so completely committed. And what's nice about it as well is that it is, you know, in even though it is kind of bringing the plot of the rest of the show forward, it itself is a, uh, sure. a kind of a standalone yeah. episode. So if I think you, if, if you're you... putting, if you're the sort of person who doesn't really like zombie movies or scary things, I, I would say check this out and have a watch of it because it's a really lovely story about a queer couple where the queerness is kind of like not actually yeah. the main part of it. So you say that because 
actually if you go onto IMDb even though people are saying that it's one of the best episodes of anything this year and he's won the award a quarter of its reviews are only one star and it's because it's basically being review bombed by, homopho- by oh homophobes and which is the, such a shame it is and did Knock Offerman have something to say about that he did look have a listen here we go thanks to HBO for having the guts to participate in this storytelling tradition that is truly independent uh, stories with guts that when homophobic hate comes my way and says, why did you have to make it a gay story? Uh, we say, because you ask questions like that. It's not a gay story. It's a love story. You, you ask. Um, Go, well Nick said, well Nick said, Nick saying exactly how he should be anyway, and that's Look, it. That's uh, all for this week's Rainbow Roundup. That, that's all for this. Week. I mean, I, I, as ever, a wonderful pit stop of the biggest queer stories of the Important absolute week. Stories, now, babe. we will be right back chatting to the guys from Bodywise about Eating Disorder Awareness Week. But first, a bit of music from Madison Avenue. Don't call me baby on Queeriosity. <laughs> Researchers have found that more than half of LGBTQ plus young people have experienced an eating disorder and that they are, are an issue that impacts the queer community to higher degrees than our non-LGBTQ peers. Here to talk to us about Eating Disorder Awareness Week taking place from the 26th of February to the 3rd of March is Ellen Jennings from Bodywise, the Eating Disorder Association of Ireland and Daniel Boyle, Daniel Boyle, who has shared his story of recovery in a, the 2021 RTE documentary Unspoken. Um, so I suppose I, I wanted to ask both of you, I suppose, just to get your kind of, I suppose, just to get your, your perspectives on it can you tell us a bit about the impact that eating disorders and body image issues have on those within the the queer community yeah so as you said in your opening there you know the research is showing that people within the lgbtq plus community face higher rates of eating disorders compared to the general population and there are a number of contributory factors behind that um things like discrimination stigma body image concerns can all lead to increased levels of stress, reduced self-esteem and reduced satisfaction with life, which can contribute to various mental health difficulties, including Mm -hmm. eating disorders. A person might turn towards an eating disorder as a coping mechanism in the face of persistent stigma. And we know that body image dissatisfaction, low self-esteem and dieting are three of the major risk factors for the development of an eating disorder. Thanks. And Daniel, it'd be, be great to hear from you, I suppose, about, about your reflections on that too. Yeah, so as, as Ellen said there, the research does show that there's a disproportionate um, impact of eating disorders on people within the LGBT community. And even within that rubric of the LGBT community, there's even a further disproportionate impact upon um, trans persons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's something, obviously, I'm speaking to you from one perspective of, of, a, of a gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't really speak to the other individual experiences. But I know from um, a panel discussion, actually, we did with Bollywise back in 2022 during Pride. And there was a more there was there was more diverse voices and, and more people who are representative of the LGBTQ community um that kind of indicated that this that this uh issue is is quite pervasive within the yeah. community i suppose from my own personal experience is that there's a myriad of factors which might contribute to or or um, aggravate an eating disorder and one of those i think is is the the desire to have some sort of control um, and for me, I think that that my eating disorder and my struggles with food really there a huge contributing factor was my struggles with my sexuality, because obviously you can't control your sexuality. Uh, there's nothing I could, I could do about it. And it's one part of me that for a long time I wanted to change, obviously don't want to change mm-hmm. that now. And yeah. um, so I think that that kind of 
that, that, that dislike that I had for myself really did um, aggravate the eating disorder for, for quite a long period of time. Thanks, Daniel, for that. And then if I can come to you, for anyone that might be familiar with the work that uh, BodyWise does, can, can you tell us a bit about what, what you guys do? Yeah, so we're the national voluntary organisation that support people affected by eating disorders and their families. So we do that in a range of different ways. And one of those ways is by providing non-judgmental listening support services. We also provide a lot of information on our website. And as Daniel mentioned there, we often host webinars on different topics. This week is Eating Disorders Awareness Week. So there's a number of different webinars taking place um, throughout the week. We provide support for people affected themselves and also family members. Our, our website also has a whole host of information for people who might not be quite sure if what they're experiencing um, is an eating disorder or they aren't quite sure what is going on for them. You mentioned Eating Disorder Awareness Week. That's taking place this week. And the theme this year is Eating Disorder Recovery and Beyond, Respecting Individuality and Identity. Why did you choose this as the theme this year? You know, we understand that eating disorders develop and function differently for each individual person. And um, over time, the eating disorder can, you know, start to become a part of the person's identity and come can become very intertwined with their sense of self. And we also wanted to bring recovery to the fore and that what recovery means is very unique to each individual person. Just as the eating disorder develops um, gradually over time and um, has individual functions for a person, um, recovery also will be an individual process of looking at the different elements of someone's life and how the eating disorder plays into those elements and what um, moving away from the eating disorder will look like. When it comes to the identity piece, you know, we understand that a person's identity can put them more at risk of developing an eating disorder. And then it can also, the eating disorder can also then interplay with the person's sense of identity and who they feel they are. So really this week has been all about hearing those lived experiences, Mm -hmm. looking at the research and bringing all of those elements together to try to raise awareness about eating disorders. But Daniel, just to come back to you for for a moment, you've spoken, you spoke just there there a few moments ago quite eloquently about, I suppose, the the need to have control or to want to have control and when you're experiencing stigma more shame and you've spoken about your experience with an eating disorder and helping to, to sort of better foster a better understanding of the nature of the disorders why was it important for you to to do this and to, to share your story because i'm fully recovered now um and and at a position in life where i can speak freely about this and easily about this and, and not in a way that it causes me any upset i just think that it's so important that I suppose like use my own lived experience um, to help other people, um, which I don't intend in any way to sound noble. Like I don't think mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm vying for any Nobel prizes or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I think the thing is, is that my life was ultimately saved by recovery. Um, so I just want to, I suppose, demonstrate to other people how recovery is possible um, and how I suppose much better life is when you are in in and I'm not even speaking about a position of full recovery and, and living this euphoric life um, I just mean that getting to a position where you are somewhat more comfortable around food or body image or anything like that it does just take a lot of pressure off life um, and it makes life far easier like my day-to-day living now is is so much easier than it was um than it was a few years ago but I think as well as that one of the other reasons is because I found that when I was seeking help initially for my eating disorder there was a huge amount of misconceptions which 
I think presented a bit of a personal barrier to me at the time. So eating disorders, for example, were for a very long time, and, and that is changing now, but for a very long time were viewed as a female lonely illness, mm. a young person illness, a thin person illness, everything like this. Whereas from my experience and from knowing other people that have suffered with EDs or anything like that, is that an eating disorders do not discriminate on the basis of size, gender, sexual orientation, uh, or on the basis of location. So any person can can be susceptible to getting eating disorders. So I wanted to dispose to to remove some of those misconceptions insofar as possible and to tell people that just because a person looks a certain way or acts a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that they're not struggling with, with food and, and, and body image. Can I ask you, um, Daniel, is there much awareness around body image within the community? Um, I think that it is improving. I, I think I think there could be more. And I, I think that particularly I think people who have a larger platform um, within the community, whether that be on social media or other things, I think that, that they could be, I suppose, just doing maybe a little bit more for it. Be more vocal um, obviously, I, 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 it's not fair to put pressure on other people just because they're in a, in a position of, um, of fame to think you have to speak to every issue. But I think that it's important for them to watch how they're speaking about body image and, and stuff like that. And what, like one prime example is that there was a, a podcast I was listening to before where they spoke about and made a joke about the concept of someone being straight thin but gay fat. So as if like there's a different mm-hmm. body image expectations yeah. on gay men as opposed yeah. to heterosexual men. There's there's younger LGBT people that would be listening to that and and potentially would would automatically just feel bad about themselves it's as a consequence of it. Just just watch our language around yeah. it. Um, Ellen, if I could go back to you, I suppose, how can someone help or respond to someone they believe may be experiencing an eating disorder? What we would always say to people is, you know, to try and learn as much as you can about eating disorders. You're welcome to reach out to our support services to talk through how you might open up that conversation. And then to think about kind of the expectations that you have from that first initial conversation with someone. You need to try to think about going at the person's own pace um, and to open up that first conversation that might lead to another conversation um, and to try and really listen to what's going on underneath for a person, the feelings that are underneath kind of the behaviours that you're seeing on the surface. That's fantastic. Thank you both for for joining us today to have a chat. It's fascinating. About Thank you so much. It was really, it's really important that these conversations keep happening yeah. and, and that people are, and particularly within the community that, that we're, we're, we're paying more attention to it. Um, so we will uh, ask you, I suppose, where can people go to find more information about BodyWise and um, I suppose to access those supports if they do need them? Yeah, so all of the information is available on www.bodywise.ie. So that's B-O-D-Y-W-H-Y-S dot I-E. And our email support service is alex at bodywise.ie. So A-L-E-X at B-O-D-Y-W-H-Y-S dot I-E. That is perfect. Thank Thank you you very much much for chatting to us today. Thank you. Thanks so much. Lakela is a coalition of political parties, unions, civil society organisations and individuals who came together with the shared aim of making Ireland a country where all can live without the fear of harassment or persecution because of their ethnicity, beliefs, ability, gender, sexuality or identity. 
Joining us now to talk about the importance of standing in solidarity with the groups targeted by hate and fear and fighting for a fairer and more equal society is member of the organisation, David O'Carroll. David, very welcome to Curiosity. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. David, before we get going, and this question might be, it, it, it might seem a bit obvious or the answer might be a bit obvious to us, but for anyone that might be listening, Last year, Lakeila were involved in in organising the Ireland for All March, and we know that the the, the next one is is happening today. Actually, um, how how was it decided that action had to be taken, and and how did you decide that a demonstration like this was necessary? Yeah, well, I suppose last year's demonstration in February of last year, just over twelve months ago, came about. I think on foot of the first kind of public protests against. Um, uh, asylum seekers and refugees in direct provision, and they were very. The first Lakeda march was very much a response to that, and I suppose unfortunately, uh, the kind of sense of urgency in terms of issues around migration, and I suppose the kind of perceived growth, and in particular some of the nasty discourse that comes in relation to migrants, but other populations, of course, too. Uh, LGBT people in particular, people with disabilities, people of difference generally. Um, it seems as if a lot of the narrative has be kind of become mainstreamed in the last year. We've certainly not, we certainly have seen an increase in the amount of protests outside direct provision centres. Of course, we had the incidences of libraries being targeted for their LGBT content yeah, books last mm-hmm. year. So I suppose really the decision to hold the, the march and demonstration came about because I think there's a genuine hunger out there most Irish people are fair minded Mm. we know from our referendum success on issues in the past most Irish people do understand the importance of equality and so I think what's happened in the last year has rightfully really disturbed some people um, and they're hungry for some kind of platform to come together to show basically that actually Ireland is an incredibly yeah. welcoming and diverse country that really values the diversity of its citizens, be they Irish or be they coming originally from another of course, country. Of course. You spoke there about the march which took place last year. The turnout last year was enormous and this year you, I'm sure you're hoping and I'm sure it will be even even larger. Did the turnout for, for the first March, which is obviously, because it, it was the first one, did the turnout surprise you, the amount of people that surprised you that came out and showed up? Yeah, I think it was a really pleasant surprise for everybody. I have to say, I I wasn't actually involved in the organising last year, so I was just there as a punter last year with my friends. And again, we were just hungry to kind of show that the, the the discourse that was happening at the time around uh, immigration really didn't represent us and we were a much kind of fairer and more tolerant kind of group of people. And so to go along and meet other people who are like-minded from a huge cross-section of society, like I mean the amount of civil society groups, national organisations, and of course people particularly importantly, people who were affected, to see that safe space being created for asylum seekers, refugees, migrants, LGBT folk, and all coming together under the umbrella of equality and celebrating mm. diversity was really, really positive. It, it seems that there's a lot of people who probably, like, who wouldn't be used to going out and protesting or used to going to marches or showing up to this march. Absolutely. What do you think is it that it is that's resonating with people that wouldn't usually get out or usually be vocal? That What's resonating in them and making them feel like they need to? I think it really is the heightened kind of feeling that 
some of the narratives uh, that we are being fed around asylum issues, around migration, around LGBT issues are just incorrect. Anybody working in the equality field knows mm. most marginalised groups just really want to get on with their lives in a way that's safe healthy and productive. Particularly, you know, I suppose my own particular role and the reason why I'm involved in Lakela is from the point of view of uh, my role as anti-racist project coordinator with the Irish Congress of Trade Unions. Right. And we certainly see there, you know, de- on a daily basis, just how wonderful the contribution uh, in the workforce across all sectors in this country mm. made by migrants is like we're at a stage where where migrants are our friends they're our colleagues they're our partners um, and of course for ICTU in particular uh, of particular importance is the fact that our colleagues so we really need to value that diversity and I think there's a real sense of people wanting to to just come forward and say that some of the discourse that's been happening has been unfair. Mm-hmm. There's certainly particular issues in terms of capacity and things like that, but they're very different issues. They're completely different. Aren't exactly. They? Yeah, I exactly. understand completely. You mentioned some of the organisations there. Lots of organisa- organisations have signed up now and they're, they're supporting the march and what you're fighting for. It's what, incredible. Yeah, it, yeah. Which, is, which is obviously great. Uh, must, must be very encouraging for you guys. What is motivating these organisations to become involved? I think it's the same because I think any civil society organisation working on issues of inclusion or equality or social justice realises that in Ireland, I suppose, one of the advantages of our small population is it's easy enough for Mm. people to come together. And if you look at different movements in Ireland, you know, again, I'm thinking of my own uh, experience working with the LGBTQ community and working around the marriage equality referendum. And even if you hark back to before that, the actual issue of the criminalisation, we know that progress in Ireland is made by bringing people together and bringing them along trade union movement for example has always been built on solidarity not division and I think for most of the organisations out there they just want to show that their emphasis really lies in bringing people together in promoting solidarity and not promoting division Absolutely if ideal the ideal outcome you know if you could just if you could change everything now what would be the ideal outcome from all of these efforts that you're making Um, I suppose there's there's lots Um. I think at the moment we're in a pretty uh, a difficult place for lots of the communities I mentioned. I know certainly from my work on the ground, there is a sense of urgency in terms of people just feeling safe, mm-hmm. uh, safe to go about their daily work, safe to be in the city centre, safe to be in the city centre at night, issues yeah. like that. So I think, first of all, coming together is going to, you, you know, the best form of safety really is visibility and yeah, numbers. And I course. think coming together is going to be really powerful. Beyond that, I think there's loads that can happen, you know, but certainly we need to look at issues of representation. Uh, our country is incredibly diverse. Um, we need to promote leadership amongst those marginalised groups. So we need people from within the trans community, from within the migrant community, from within the different communities affected, coming up and becoming the new future totally. leaders. Totally. I know that we can we can all get out and we can all march and we can all protest, but beyond that, what can people do to, you know, further promote what you're trying to what you're trying to fight for? Yeah, I suppose there's a couple of things people can do really. Um it it probably sounds very simple, but but starting off with I suppose a zero tolerance. Mm-hmm. Zero tolerance to racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, all of the things that stand up is 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 bringing people together on on a practical level, I think there's ways to get involved. Like there's lots of uh, uh, 
Ireland for all groups around the country. Sure. There's lots of different civil society NGOs working uh, to provide services, much needed services for migrant populations. So it's it's get involved, stay active yeah. and get involved. Yeah. Um, it's normal people who change the course of, of the political discourse in Ireland. Without a doubt, we all have the power, don't we, really? Yeah. Before I let you go, if anyone is listening and they might have heard of Lakela before, or they want to find out more information, where can they go about maybe to find out what you guys do or about further events that you're doing? Uh, yeah, they can find us, uh, Lakela on all the social media, uh, all the usual social media places. And what I would say to people as well, particularly, is for Saturday, I think in my experience of, of, of marches, whether they be pride celebrations or demonstrations, there's always a cohort and a population of people who kind of feel they'd like to go along, but maybe they don't know enough people mm-hmm. or they're not involved in any particular group. And I think it's really important to point out that so many of the groups are encouraging people to just come and march mm-hmm. with them, yeah. um, which is a really important invitation. In particular, like, for example, I know Outhouse, the LGBT centre, is providing from 12.30 on Saturday a space for any LGBTQ folk to meet up together Fantastic. and walk over to the march great together. Idea. So those kind of things, get right. involved. People will feel more confident and safe, you know, Absolutely. in numbers. Without a doubt. David, best of luck with everything. Thanks so much. You'll have to come in and speak to us again. Thanks a million for Thanks having million. me on. Thank you. Swagger Jagger, Swagger Jagger, you should get some of your own. Count the money, get your game Here we are. Revealing in the queers, making Brilliant. her her like sporadic appearance. Yeah, I kind of love her though. I know, me too. She's I, kind of know. iconic, isn't she? Yeah, she really is. You don't I, know when she's going to arrive on. Oh, you don't. <laughs> you never, you never know when she's coming. You don't, you don't know what she's going to be talking about. She's, she's like you the friend n- that arrives late to brunch, but always brings the party. <laughs> Absolutely, she's the one who orders that next <laughs> bottle of prosecco that you know you shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know yeah, exactly. Exactly. So look, at, you, you have no idea where we're going today. I don't really, except for you played the clip earlier on, but. I still don't know what year that is. I'm really bad at pinpointing years. I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think it's too recent and I think I was in secondary school. Would Did you say something about John and Edward? I did. Of Jedward. Of Jedward. Is it 2009? You are absolutely <laughs> right. It's so pathetic <laughs> that it's John and Edward helped me to solve that. Like, come on. Well, listen, it was it was a big year. It was a big year for this. I've got a couple of stories to go through, which are mostly relating to kind of, I suppose, coming out and and, and progress. When you get back to that, like I've, I've, as we've been like researching for the kind of the, the reeling and the queers over the last kind of couple of, of months as we've been doing it, you kind of notice that there are themes, big themes that happen over particular periods of time. And that kind of late noughties period was all about marriage equality. So here at home, big queer story for the year was the civil partnership bill was brought forward. Minister for Justice, Equality and Law Reform, Deputy Dermot Ahern, uh, brought forward the Civil Partnership Bill and said the civil partnership legislation will allow same-sex couples live in supportive and secure legal environments. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of a first step yeah. to allowing a recognition of um, of, of same-sex uh, of same-sex unions and 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 not mar- I keep going to say marriages because we have marriage now. Yeah, but I it know, wasn't, but it, it wasn't was like, the same. Um, but he he basically added when he was coming through, he said that it it would strike a fine balance for people who opposed the idea of same-sex marriage and for people who kind of wanted some recognition okay. and he said that it couldn't stray into the area of marriage because of the constitution obviously we know 2015 came yeah, around and changed, that of course. Um, and that did, uh, that it, was, did change. it was a huge stepping stone wasn't it and it was the first 
yeah, kind absolutely. of step in the right direction. Now, it, it's interesting looking back on it now, kind of you actually see exactly why people were so dissatisfied with it because, first of all, it was only available to same-sex couples, which means it was very much a separate by equal kind of thing. So we were being put into our own pot separate out from the other, mm. um, from from the, the rest of people. And also, it, it, as opposed to marriage, where a lot of these protections exist, it gave no clear provision for, perfecti- for protecting uh, the surviving partner in a civil partnership. So you wouldn't have the same rights if your okay. partner died in a civil partnership okay. as if they died when you were married. It also didn't allow the same access around uh, domestic violence supports, which I thought was unusual. So mm. there are, within marriages or, or within sort of, for couples who are married, there is like a whole suite of uh, supports that are accessible because you have, because you are married that wasn't accessible to people in civil partnerships, which is just bizarre. It didn't permit adoption, which was really weird because single men and women could adopt. But once you went into a civil partnership, you That's weren't allowed to adopt, which is mental. And it didn't recognise the the parental rights of non-biological partners. So it, it sort of, we're still dealing with this now. We've yeah, talked a little bit funny, on the show before yeah, exactly about this sort of like assu- assisted human reproduction and kind of like all of that, all of that entails. And they're like the, the lack of clarity or certainty that families have when mm. they don't have that sort of, you know, um, that, that direct kind of, um, or that like automatic uh, right. On the other side of the globe, over in California, Prop 8, same sex, same sex marriage ban initiative. So have you any clue about this? No. Okay, so in 2008, same sex marriage was legalised in, in, in California, I think because of a Supreme Court ruling there. And a number of people who would be the sort of people who don't like gay marriage decided that they were going boring. to... Exactly, boring. Uh, decided that they were going to try and add language to the California Constitution that would define marriage as being between one man and one woman. And it would then sort of delegitimize same-sex marriages that had um, that had, had, had taken place since then. Mm-hmm. So that this was on the ballot in 2008 and it was really confusingly laid out. So you needed to say yes to say no to gay marriage or no to say yes to gay marriage. And I think this, like, I remember there was a lot of conversation at the time of confusion around what that meant, but it ended up coming down 52% in favour of adding language to the Californian constitution that would define marriage as being between one man and one woman. Okay. So the inclu- the the marriages that had taken place between 2008 and, um, between 2008 and, and, and 2009, including Ellen DeGeneres' and Portia de Rossi's wedding, uh, were no longer uh, legitimised. Oh my God. So, so even even though they had already gotten married because it was legal, it kind of was rescinded? Yes, absolutely. Exactly. That's um, outrageous. It absolutely is. And um, it, it, how long did that last for? So that lasted for until 2012, 2013. Oh my God, so, I mean, mad. Absolutely ridiculous. What a waste um, of a wedding. Yeah, so when it eventually uh, when it eventually did change, Ellen DeGeneres tweeted, this just in, equality won. Well done. Good. Now, getting on to the guys, the big guys, the big guns, uh, 2009 also saw the arrival of this dynamic duo. Hey guys, uh, who have we got here? Uh, we're twins, I'm Edward. I'm John, and we're 17, and we're from Dublin. All the way Hello, Dublin. See, sing for you guys. It's uh, a yes from Louis. We're coming here today to sing for everyone. So, I mean, never a more iconic and duo. And they're still knocking around. They're still knocking around. They're still, and they've, they've gone on to, like, their their arrival, they, performing as John and Edward. Edward came later, which I always yeah. forget. Uh, they were there on the sixth season of The X Factor, which is when it was really in its heyday. Yeah, it was. Um, and I suppose their iconic performances included Once I Did It Again, Rock DJ, Ghostbusters, Under Pressure. They even got the backing of former Taoiseach Brian Cowan, uh, who's speaking to the Irish Daily Star from Berlin, where he was making the 20th anniversary of the fall of Berlin, 
the Berlin Wall. Mr. Cowan said, I wish the twins all the best and I hope they go all the way. <laughs> they, do you know what? They're a success story from it. They're, they absolutely Aren't are. They? And listen now, 2009 as well. If this sound has been absolutely walloping your TikTok this week, uh, you will be pleased to know that it came from the 2009 episode of Glee Laryngitis. All that work and what did it get me? Why did I do it? Scrapbooks. Oh, it's all I hear. It's, it's the last thing I hear before I go uh, no, to bed. I know. The first thing it I wake is, up in the morning. Is, it is literally. It it has a hold of TikTok yeah, that really, people are off. not. It has absolutely popped off. Um. So it was yeah from the the episode of Laryngitis, season one, episode eighteen, where Kurt is dealing with anxiety about his father accepting his identity. Um. Movies. Big movie of the year was Milk, where Sean Penn won an Oscar for his portrayal of Harvey Milk. And before yeah, we get to um, before we get to 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 the guessing of the bop the most important yeah. and significant part of this thing I think we should listen to a little piece of his speech which remains as relevant uh, he was playing Harvey Milk an American politician and first openly gay man to be elected to public offices in California who had been assassinated and as part of uh, Sean Penn's speech which was also referencing the Prop 8 ban and as relevant today as ever he had this to say Finally for those uh, two last finalists for those who um who saw the signs of hatred uh, as our cars drove in tonight. And I think that it is a good time for those who voted for the ban against gay marriage to sit and reflect and anticipate their great shame. So there we have it. Well done, Sean Penn. You are not a very likeable individual. You may have been married to Madonna, but we will forgive you all because... Because <laughs> you played Harvey Milk. Absolutely. But so in addition to that, uh, other big movies of the year were Avatar and A Single Man, which is directed by Tom Ford. I don't know if you've ever seen I've this I've never movie. seen that one. Oh, gorgeous. Colin Firth is in it and it is absolutely stunning. You can tell that the person behind it has like an absolutely exceptional eye. Um, pop culture, Brittany Murphy tragically died at the oh age God, of 32. Oh my God, how long ago that was? It was Anne Michael Jackson. Which was I, I, that, That's one of those moments Michael Jackson's death Is one of those things That I'll always remember Where I was when it happened I, I don't know I don't remember Where I was But I remember That my friend Ashling's sister Gráinne Was at Glastonbury that's oh! Can you imagine being at Glastonbury and finding that out? People were people were shocked. People yeah. were were absolutely shocked. That's insane. And lastly, I suppose we, we have had a theme of kind of coming out throughout this. this I think there's a theme theme of death. Anyway. <laughs> death and coming out. Death my... um, so uh, American Idol contester Adam Lambert finally came out. He said, "I don't think it should be a surprise to anyone to hear that I'm gay." And never a truer word was spoken. No, I mean it wasn't a surprise. <laughs> that was the, the least shocked I've ever been by any coming out. <laughs> Well, look, that is the end of... Re- Do you feel sufficiently caught up now? Yeah, that's on- insane. It's always very nostalgic, isn't it? It is. right back. It is mad I'm when you're I'm going to go home back. and deep dive all of that now. I'll be watching Jedward's performances the oh, whole listen, evening. I, d- I did a bit of that during the week now and I have to say they were classics. Iconic. Classics, Iconic. Classics, and of course, classics. they're playing in Victorian and Davina's Pride Party this uh, year. So get, your tic- get your ticks. Get your ticks. Get your ticks. Plug for them there. But look... This is come, we have come to the end of the show in just a few Aww. moments I'll be asking Podrick to uh, to guess the song for the end of the show we'll get into that quickly but don't forget as ever if you want to contact me on my Instagram come over and say hello feel free to do so it's James O underscore Hagen and of course you can come over and follow me my handle is Podrick underscore WMC or if you want to reach out to us across our our 
show Instagram. It's <laughs> at Curiosity Radio. And remember, if you or anyone you know needs the support of the National LGBT Helpline, it is here to listen in confidence and without judgment seven days a week on 1800 539. Now, do you reckon you're going to get this? Yeah, I do. Okay. I was peak. I was 15. Okay, so this was peak. This is like, yeah, peak iPod. Or, yeah, peak iPod. Okay, okay. iPod so, Nano in my ear. I didn't listen to my parents at all. Okay. This has now, to be it. I do have to say that, that if you didn't sort of, you know, gutturally screech the chorus of this song with sort of groups of friends at different points in your teenage okay. years, then you have to have your gay card absolutely revoked. Okay. So, first up, <laughs> this catchy as hell electro pop smash was the third single released off the artist's eponymous debut album. Lady Gaga. Nope. Okay, keep going. On writing the track, the singer said, we started it and it felt really good. I do remember that when we wrote it, we thought, call the manager, we've got the one. Okay. Did you say say debut? Yes. Debut album? Yes. Eponymous debut album. I don't know what eponymous means. Oh, well, I'm not going to tell you. Okay, does that mean... That their name is the... To- no. Is it Kesha? No. No. We can't really play any Kesha anymore, can we? No. Well, some of us. Add it again. Uh, okay, keep going. Okay, so the last thing we have is not going to help you at all. Oh, no. Um, James, is that fair? I it's asked, way more exciting when I get it right. I asked ChatGPT to review the lyrics in the did. tone of Moira Rose, and it gave me this masterpiece. Okay. This... I'm not going to try and do the voice. <laughs> this... <laughs> this... <have> to. <laughs> <laughs> this lyrical sonnet unveils the narrative of resilience and self-discovery. The protagonist of, with an air of nonchalance, declares their independence and refusal to succumb to the whims of love's unpredictable tides. The defiance against being swept away, the commitment to guarding one's emotions. And these words, the chorus emerges as a triumphant declaration, a pledge to fortify oneself against the vulnerabilities that love can often expose. The refusal to be swayed by by empty promises and the courage to confront the inevitable end are laid bare in the poignant lyrics. Ultimately, this lyrical masterpiece serves as a testament to the resilience of the human spirit in the face of love's capricious nature. Is it Taylor Swift? It is not Taylor Swift. I honestly cannot believe you didn't get this. I ha- babe, I don't know what you were about. So if I tell you, I'm eponymous there. means that it's na- that the album is, called, is named the same thing as the artist. Okay. No, you've lost me. Oh I'm trying God. to think 2008, 2009. We're getting the signal to wrap up. So Go I'm going to have to tell you. Tell me. I'm, I'm going to tell you. Raging. It is Bulletproof by oh my LaRue. God. <laughs> so playing aside this week, it is of course the masterpiece Bulletproof I'm, I love by this song. LaRue. I love this song. <laughs> 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 <laughs>